When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Welcome to the Side Hustlers podcast. My name is Carla Marie. I am your host from iHeartRadio. The whole point of this podcast is to sit down with people who follow a passion outside of their day job, people who are crazy enough to launch their own business. And I have talked to over 100 people and every single week I am amazed by the ideas that I get from everyone and how they launch their idea and launch their business. And this week's guest is no different. So we're going to get into Anastasia in a second. But my day job is hosting the Carla Marie and Anthony show on 106.1 Kiss FM in Seattle. You can listen live on your iHeartRadio app if you're not from Seattle, or you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Carla Marie and Anthony. Now, this week's guest is Anastasia, and she is the creator of Kula Cloth. What is Kula Cloth? It's a pea cloth. Yes, you heard that right. A pea cloth. It's amazing. So the whole idea of Kula cloth is that you're going on a hike and you don't want to bring toilet paper with you. You don't want to litter. You want to have something that works great. And Anastasia will get into the science behind it. But yeah, it's a pea cloth. But she's inspiring how she got to where she is. And she's unbelievably grateful for the people who support her company. And you're going to love her story. And as this episode is posting for the very first time, I'm currently camping and hiking and using my pea cloth. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. So this is an extra special episode for me because our guest is a former park ranger and anyone who knows me really knows that I am obsessed with park rangers and I refer to myself as Ranger Marie and I don't think that our guest today knew what they were getting into. Hi, Anastasia. (laughs) Hi, Carla Marie. Thanks for having me. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. (laughs) You didn't. And earlier today, I was like, by the way, I'm obsessed with park rangers and sent you my Halloween costume. And you were probably like, oh, God, this is going to be weird. (laughs) I I thought it was amazing. And it was actually a relatively realistic park ranger costume. (laughs) So it is a park ranger approved. I will take it. But that is obviously not the reason you were on this podcast today. You have, oh, it was a side hustle. Now it's your full-time job and you do other things other than Kula Cloth. And I want you to explain what Kula Cloth is because I know you're going to do better than I will. Yeah, so Kula Cloth is the very first of its kind. It is an antimicrobial pea cloth for all the places you go. And I have go in quotation Mm -hmm. marks. It is a leave no trace, zero waste, reusable toilet paper option for anybody who squats when they pee. 
I created this product due to frustration with yes. finding toilet paper in the backcountry when I was out there backpacking. And I read an article about people using a pea cloth. And my very first thought was, that's disgusting. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure anyone who heard you say you have a pea cloth, they're probably like, ew, what? I mean, that was my sister's reaction when I told her, but she's never been on a hike in her life. So she doesn't get it. Yeah. Ew, what is a pretty common (laughs) reaction. So if that's your reaction right now, that's totally normal. The idea behind a pea cloth and anybody who hikes or camps or does anything outdoors will know that there's limited options. You can either pack in and out a bunch of toilet paper, which means you're also packing out your dirty toilet paper. You can leave dirty toilet paper on the ground in fragile alpine environments, which is a no-go. Or you can attempt to drip dry, which doesn't leave anybody feeling great. (laughs) Let me tell you something about that. There was uh, a hike I did in Yosemite. It was like an all-day hike. And I had my camelback, and I was just chugging my water, like not really thinking what was going to happen after I drank all the water. And I must have peed on the way down from that hike like 10 times. Everyone wanted to kill me, but I was like, I don't care. I'm going. And I, my pants were soaked. It's disgusting, but like you can't aim it. It's my pants, my shoes, like, and and granted, you're not helping me pee properly, but still it's then like all over my leg. It's awful. Exactly. It's, it's everywhere. And that was just a day hike. So imagine if you are out there for multiple days at a time, hygiene becomes an issue carrying in and out your waist becomes an issue. And I read this article years ago about people using a pea cloth. And I thought, that's disgusting. But I was also teaching backpacking at the time as an instructor with a nonprofit here in Washington State called Washington Outdoor Women. And I remember thinking, okay, Anastasia, don't knock it until you try it. And I went out and I bought this ugly old scrap of fabric and I decided I'm going to at least test this out and see if I like it. I was stunned to find that it was a total game changer for me. And I started recommending using a pea cloth to everybody, all of my students. In fact, people who took my classes years ago, they will come back and see me now. And the first thing they will all say is, we remember you talking about the pea cloth. (laughs) Like I I became such an advocate for this. It was in 2016, I was on a backpacking trip with my husband in the Wind River Range of Wyoming. And I was actually taking a photograph of my ugly pea cloth as a joke to send to a friend. Mm -hmm. I had this crazy idea that I was going to make a whole line of Christmas cards with pea cloths on them. I love you. To, I love you like, so much. To send to a friend as a joke. And I had positioned this piece of fabric on my trekking pole and we were in this, it was at sunset. I mean, it could not have been more picturesque except for the fact that I was taking pea a cloth. photo of yeah. a pea cloth. And it was literally like this lightning bolt moment where all of a sudden this idea just popped into my head and just said, why isn't that a real piece of gear? Like, has anybody ever done that? Has anybody ever taken a product and designed it to be intentionally used for hygiene, something that looks cool so that maybe people are less squeamish about the idea, something that feels more intentional. Well, there's so much, so much hiking and outdoor gear out there. Like it's almost shocking that it took till 2016 for someone to think about and actually do it. I totally agree. And the thing that boggled me as I thought about this and as I looked at all the gear that I had, here I have this $500 tent, a $300 sleeping bag, and yet the one piece of fabric that I'm literally putting in contact with the most sensitive part of my body looked like something I had pulled out of a rag bin at Jiffy Lube. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, it was like, it didn't make sense to me. And At the time, I was a police officer. I had transitioned from being a park ranger. I had gotten laid off, very sadly. I'm sure your heart is broken. So I was laid off from my park ranger job in 2012. Okay. 
And then I became a police officer working for the railroad. So I was actually working as a railroad. I was working as a railroad cop. (laughs) Okay, so what does that entail? So you you go park ranger, railroad cop to making Pequots. Like that is quite the the journey. And granted, there's much more in between. We'll get to that. But what is a day-to-day for a railroad officer? A railroad police, it's actually one of the oldest branches of law enforcement in the country. And I like to tell people to imagine that the railroad is like a huge city. It's just really narrow and it sort of weaves itself in and out of a bunch of other cities. So anything that would happen in any normal city environment, a lot of times it ends up on the railroad tracks. Hmm. A huge part of what we did as railroad police officers was just education. Most people don't know that it's actually illegal and also super dangerous to trespass on railroad tracks. Yeah, people do that all the time for Instagram pics. (laughs) And there's a lot of really, really avoidable fatalities that can be prevented by just simply not being on the tracks. So that was a lot of what I did. And I got to do that job for about five and a half years. It was great. But I've just always been this really adventurous, outdoorsy person. And I was looking down the barrel of, do I want to spend the next 30 years patrolling railroad tracks? I mean, with the, with the park ranger job originally, like you can move park to park and you're obviously outdoors and in, in, in yes. the environment. And granted, while you loved that job, doing that forever as a, as a railroad officer, you, like you're saying, you're looking at that. That's kind of draining forever, I think. It, it was it was draining. And I had always been a very entrepreneurial kid in when I was very young, I would start all these businesses all the time. And I like what? didn't give me an oh, example. I had a, I had a juice delivery business <laughs> before I, it was cool. And like, bougie oh, to yeah. do juice delivery. you know, it makes me laugh now. Cause if I had kept up with that, I'd probably be some like billionaire <laughs> juice tycoon now. I mean, I was doing juice and I actually, it was so funny. I actually found the price list that I had come up with the other day. Probably a bargain. Oh, it was like $2 for a quart of hand squeezed juice. Wow. And, and we would deliver muffins and juice. And then I had a pet sitting business. I mean, it was always like, I tried to launch a skincare line well, when look I was at you. 20. You, the juicing, <laughs> which is like a huge thing now, pet care business, which you've got WAG and all of those apps. Exactly. And then skincare. I mean, that's just obviously oh, crazy all the time. I was always like a little bit too late or maybe I was too early and I would have an idea and I would feel myself really in that creative flow. And then I would instantly try to figure out how is this possible and instead of allowing the answers to come to me and sort of being open to the possibilities, I immediately would argue for my limitations and I would get afraid of the money aspect of things. That was a huge fear of mine. I would look at other people who had skincare lines, for instance, and say, well, there's no room for me. And so I killed all of those ideas and it was really sad. I look back on them now and I, I just think, wow, if I had taken a few more steps, like what could have been possible? Well, you're doing something amazing because not only are you giving people a product that they desperately need, but you're also helping the environment while doing it. But yeah. the path to Kula Cloth wasn't the easiest. So what made you quit your job as a railroad officer? So I had always sort of looked at people who were doing these really cool adventurous things and I dreamed of a career in the outdoor industry and I thought that the people who got to do that had been given some sort of a lucky code that I hadn't been given (laughs) right and so I had had the idea for Kula in 2016 This was in January of 2017. I was heading home from snowshoeing at Stevens Pass area. My mom and my husband and I were in the car. It was a beautiful, perfect day. No snow on the road. And somehow we hit a patch of black ice. And the truck went spinning into the path of an oncoming semi-truck. Oh, my God. And into the opposite lane of travel, obviously there's a happy ending because here I am. To this day, I honestly can't even explain how we lived. It was like a catastrophic shift for me in my life in the best way. In that moment where we were spinning across the highway, I realized looking back and reflecting on it that I didn't have any fear in that moment. It was this surreal slow motion. 
like that people talk about, like everything's in slow motion. That's what it was like. And I felt like this disbelief that it was happening, but there was no fear. And suddenly I came back to my life where I, if I was being honest with myself, I knew I was playing small and not really utilizing my full potential. And I looked at all the fears that were preventing me from doing anything. And I realized if I didn't have fear in the one moment where I was literally looking yeah. at my own mortality in the face, then is it possible that all the fears I have about pursuing this dream, is it possible that they're all just manufactured in my mind? For sure. Like, am, I the, yeah. am I the one making them up? Am I the one getting in my own way? At that moment, I decided to just start taking little steps. I was not ready to yet leave my police job. I had already had the idea for Kula, but instead of arguing for reasons why I shouldn't pursue it, all of a sudden, none of that mattered. I didn't need to know the answers anymore. I didn't know how to sew. I'd never done anything in the textile industry, but I just started making phone calls. And, and that's one thing that I recommend to all entrepreneurs is you don't need to know everything, but like somebody out there does and you do know how to make a phone call. Yeah. And you can piece it all together. I mean, anyone yeah. who's been on this podcast will talk about the fear that they felt and why they didn't jump right away. And then eventually they did. And I think you explaining it the way you just did is the perfect way to explain it. All of your fears are manufactured. Now, I'm not saying go quit your job the moment you're hearing this podcast. Come up with a slight plan. I mean, Yes. Or hey, quit the job, but don't blame me <laughs> or Anastasia when it goes wrong. But come up yeah. with some sort of a plan. Like you didn't the next day after you were No, recovered. no. It took it took me months to really get to the point. And I like to think that I got myself to the point where it was scarier not to pursue this thing cool. that I had created than it was to stay put. But you didn't want another one of your business ideas being snatched up. Exactly. It was like no, life's too short. I don't want to kill it again. And I don't need to know all the answers. I just need to trust that this is going to work out. And so I started buying fabric. I found a friend who knew how to sew and she showed me how to sew a straight line on a serger. And what is I, a serger? it's a type of sewing machine that is used to basically bind two different pieces of fabrics together. Okay. So the very, very first Kula's that I ever sewed, and it wasn't even called Kula then. I was just making squares in the beginning. <laughs> I didn't have the name right away. And I just started reaching out to people and asking them their input. Like, what would you want this product to be like? I started asking people who were outdoorsy, if you could design this, what would it be like? And I started taking all those ideas. And soon my squares got better and better to the point where I was able to actually give them to people without feeling embarrassed about what the yeah. product looked like. And then the next thing I knew, I was making prototypes and people were buying the prototypes and people were like excited about it. And all of a sudden things just, it was like the answers were coming at me instead of me needing to know the perfect plan. That has to be an amazing feeling after everything you had been through and searched for. There are moments where I was laying on my couch in the beginning, just crying, thinking I was the biggest idiot on the planet for wanting to pursue a, a pea cloth company. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I still remember it was like the day before I launched the website. And I remember thinking, okay, Anastasia, there's two possible scenarios here. Option one is that People are going to think you are just like the laughing stock of the outdoor industry and that you're a complete bozo. Option two is that people are going to think you're brilliant. And I remember thinking to myself, well, either way, I'm going down in a blaze of glory. So I might as well just do it. And I remember I, when I made the website live for the very first time, I funded the sort of startup costs of buying my first huge order of, of custom fabric by doing a pre-sale. 
And a friend of mine had placed an order within the first minute Aww. of me. You know, I, all I did was I posted it to Facebook. Like I had no advertising. Yeah. And I just remember sitting actually in the room where I'm sitting right now. And I was just so sick to my stomach with nerves that I was just going to like, that I had like ruined my life. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just so silly now, like looking back at it. And I just like sat here and cried and cried because it was the whole dream. It was coming true. And there was but just so much. Beauty. And that's, yeah, there like, was that's so much cool beauty part. in that. Oh, it was absolutely. so incredible. Yeah. And it is still incredible. And like you're saying, yeah, oh, it's just a pea cloth. But like, really, it is your passion. It's your dream. And it's helped so many people. And I said it earlier, you're keeping litter off the trails and out of the environment. And it's way bigger than just a square cloth. It's it's so much more. It is. And we've actually really, the focus that we've been doing right now is doing these coolas for a cause. Yeah, tell us about and that. So, yeah, so we are giving money to different organizations, uh, organizations that provide opportunities for people who may not have the opportunity to get out backpacking normally. So we're working with partners like the Venture Out Project. We're just recently working on a design with a nonprofit called Come Alive Outside that helps kids get outside. That's great. We give money to the Washington Trails Association, working on something hopefully with the Washington National Parks Fund. And <gasps> Love so them. yes, me too. <laughs> So, you know, it's so incredible how you can create something that can become, yes, it is a piece of gear, but it can also be a vessel through which you can really have a positive impact on the world in a much bigger way than you originally intended. Oh, for sure. And where does the name Kula come from in the first place? Which, by the way, if people are listening right now and they're like, you keep saying Kula, but what what is happening is K-U-L-A. So they go yep. to K-U-L-A-Cloth.com or Kula Cloth on Instagram to check out what we're talking about. But where does the name Kula come from? In the very beginning of creating this product, I knew I needed a name for it and I knew it needed to be a good name. I didn't want it to be a name that sounded like a joke because a lot of hygiene products sort of have this like laugh, yeah, yeah, this giggly thing. And I, I wanted it to feel intentional, not like it was something silly. I was listening to a podcast with Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. Oh, And yes. she was talking about how when she named Spanx, she had heard that you needed to have a K sound in the name of your product. And so I was sitting That's why at the my Kardashians kitchen. crush it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like Coca-Cola and yeah. Q-Tip, there's a lot of of big companies that have like this hard K sound. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting at my kitchen table and went to my trusty advisor Google and I googled mountains that start with K. Ooh. And I found a mountain. The very first one I saw was a mountain named Kula Kongri. And that mountain is in Bhutan, which is a country that I had visited just before I got laid off from my job as a wow. park ranger. So immediately there was like this connection because mm -hmm. my trip to Bhutan was a really pivotal moment in my life. Now all of a sudden there's this connection to the name Kula. So then of course I do the next step and I Google the word Kula and I find that the word Kula means community. Bam. And I just thought, oh my gosh, that's it. Bam. That and And that is what I had envisioned from the very beginning is that I wanted the product to feel so intentional that when people saw somebody else with a Kula on the trail, that it would just be an instant connection. And I hear stories all the time. I'll get emails or Instagram messages and people will say, you won't believe this. I saw somebody with a Kula on the trail and I said, hi. And it's just like it's this awesome. instant. Yeah, it's Listen, to me, that's mind blowing. Yeah, I know. I know the feeling of for me, when I connect people who have been on this podcast with one another, I get that like that same feeling of like, oh, my God, like, I'm like, it's like a little fairy, like you connected people. And it's the coolest thing to be able to connect people. And before we get more into the cooler clots, I want to talk about how we got connected. Because that's yeah. a huge part of the podcast for me of how you know, people get connected after being on the podcast or how they come to me. And you came to me through Rami from the ground up sock. So he was on months ago. And then I had him on again after our, our social distancing kicked in to talk about what he was doing with socks for docs. So you and Rami are also connected with 
David from Rainier Watch, correct? Yes. So who was on the podcast. <laughs> so you guys already got your own little community going out there. We got to get involved in what you guys are doing. So how did you all get connected? So that's an even funnier story. <laughs> so the other side of what I do, I, I'm a lifelong classically trained musician. And when I was in the process of leaving my job, and I won't get into this story too much because that would be the world's longest podcast <laughs> ever, a friend that I met through a very serendipitous series of events, she and I, we started carrying a violin and a piano up into the mountains to go perform sunrise serenades for nobody. So uh, I, it. I sort of just like to pull that rug out from underneath both of us. That's um, great. So I'm a musician and we are a small duo called the Musical Mountaineers. And we perform these beautiful concerts. And now actually a lot of our music gives back to Washington National Parks Fund, cool. for instance. Yeah, we performed at a benefit concert at Benaroya Hall last year, and we're doing that again in October. So everything we do is really like benefiting parks. And well, can people go? Like, when do you still do the sunrise? We we do. We never announce them because of Leave No Trace. Yeah, um, which really sort of goes in alignment with Kula as well. And at this point, if we announced a concert like, "Hey, this is where we're going to be at sunrise," there's a good chance that a lot of people would show up. And in order to sort of maintain the purity of what we're doing, we don't want it to be a show. It's more just for the experience. Like and if somebody happens to be there like if that happened to me i'd be like what is happening right now this is wild yeah it is there have only ever been a few people who found us because obviously we're waking up at midnight to go hiking (laughs) but it's usually a really emotional and special experience for all of us when we encounter other people so david who is the founder of mount rainier watch he knows rose and so my musical partner rose and her husband through their college and then i knew david through the music Mountaineers because he's shared our music a bunch of times. And then David, Rami, and I sort of put together our own little Pacific Northwest Founders group, uh, which currently has a membership of three. It's the three of us. It's the three of us. And so we've been getting together once in person and then now virtually just to encourage each other and uh, focus on things that are positive and like getting our momentum going in a really good direction. And what kind of criteria do you need to get into your group? Nothing. Just, Just a be, a, in the be, Pacific a, be a Pacific Northwest entrepreneur okay. and send us a message and all, all are welcome. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Just in case people are wondering, and there have been plenty on this podcast, so we're going to send them your way. But Yay! I love that you guys are doing that. And I love the importance of connection. I always try to preach that of just connecting people to each other and just knowing your connections and knowing how people were kind of put into your life is a cool thing yes. to step back and see. So the fact that you have that, that kind of story is really cool. Yeah. But Kulikoth till this day, how many have you sold? Oh my gosh. So I, if I had to estimate, we've probably sold over 15,000 of them (laughs) at this point. Okay. So then the Anastasia who was sitting there scared to launch the website, right? Like looking back at that moment and knowing now 15,000 have sold, there's that close to 15,000 people. I'm sure people have a bunch. There's that's how many people you have touched just by making pea cloth when you think about it like that's wild i am a totally sappy sentimental person and not a day goes by when i do not literally like feel the energy of that and literally there are days where i will just sit and weep with the most profound sense of gratitude that i could possibly describe are you getting emotional right now yes i am right now (laughs) i love it not that i love that you're crying but i love that you are actually emotional and passionate about what you do i it is so special to me i really feel like nobody was there for the moments when I was crying on my couch, wondering if this was possible, but like I hold those moments with me and anybody who's an entrepreneur knows that like when somebody 
purchases your product, like there's, they're making a conscious decision to support you Mm -hmm. because they believe in what you're doing. And that is something that I savor to this day. I mean, we, we do a lot of stuff at Kula now that's really fun where we, I mean, we just launched a little online academy so that we're, we're doing online Pictionary classes and like finding ways to continue to support people, even though maybe we can't all get together in person. And I write notes as much as possible. It's hard at this point with so many orders that go out to write a handwritten note in every single order. Yeah. But any time that we can find to appreciate somebody else, we, we really do that. And it's, honestly just totally shocking and amazing and really really cool to watch it grow and be able to impact other people's lives not only the nonprofits that we support but we put art on the coolas and it's, they're beautiful like who would have thought that i'd ever be saying a pea cloth is beautiful but it is they're, they're so pretty they're so beautiful and every single one that's purchased gives back money to the artist who created it oh and then who who does create them So we work with a variety of different artists. So there is no magic sauce to getting your art on a Kula. It just sort of happens. Like we'll discover these artists and reach out to them and see if they're interested. And I just love the variety that we have. I I try not to give any direction at all to the artists because I love the idea of the Kula being this blank canvas Mm -hmm. and... Like what, what are they going to create? Just seeing all the creativity that has been sort of brought up through this one little product is exciting to me. So then what made you think to do that? Because originally you said you were just cutting fabric. What made you think to work with artists? So I had always wanted to, and I didn't know how, because I didn't know how to actually, how do you even print art onto fabric? Yeah. I mean, I did not know any of these answers. I don't have any idea. And you you sort of look at these moments and you think that they're coincidences, but then you sort of look at them and you don't think that they're coincidences. <laughs> Incidences. And I happened upon a production studio, totally quotes by chance, and reached out to them. And they ended up having the capability and being able to tell me how this was going to be possible. And so I feel like all along the way, the right people have shown up to bring the vision to life. I think that's what I've been good at is holding the vision and believing it's possible without needing to know the answers. And one thing I really try to do as an entrepreneur is be solution focused, not problem focused. So if I'm trying to fix something or figure something out and I don't know the answers, typically what happens then is I'm amplifying the problem and I'm not even yeah. in the vicinity of the solution. And I do a lot of stuff that it, maybe it seems woo to some people, but I'll write what I want onto a board and just walk away from it. And no, that's like, amazing. Yeah, and just be like, okay, I know it's going to happen. I don't really know how, but I'm sort of excited and I'm anticipating this answer arriving. And I kid you not, every time the answer shows up. That is a great pro tip right there. So then the microbial part of it, what obviously you didn't just get any random fabric. You obviously did. There's some science behind this. How did you figure that out? That was again happening to meet the right people i literally called a fabric mill and ended up on the phone with the ceo of this fabric mill not even realizing i was on the phone with the ceo talking about my product oh yeah i had no clue and people I, i honestly feel like not knowing anything in the textile industry gave me such a huge advantage because i wasn't going into any conversation with a preconceived idea that, well, they aren't going to take me seriously. I was later told by people, oh, as a small company, you'll never be able to get anywhere in the textile industry Uh, because they they won't even talk to you. And I just remember thinking, well, everybody's talked to me so far. Like I haven't, if you don't have that planted in your head, then like you're just open to whatever. And so I ended up talking to this uh, woman who owns she and her family, they own a fabric mill in the United States, and they were able to sort of help me come up with a 
product. It's a custom design product. So one side of the fabric is waterproof and uh, it's able to be printed on. The other side is a special fabric that's super absorbent and it's specifically designed for hygiene and it's antimicrobial because it is infused with uh, silver ions. So it is. That's crazy. I, I don't even know I what don't that means. physically no. do any of that myself. And I, but I did actually get the chance to talk to scientists and I learned a lot about silver. And there's types of silver that are bad for wastewater systems. And then there's types of silver treatments that are inert and won't hurt the wastewater treatment systems. I know way more about fabric. It's. Than- <laughs> than like anybody now. But like when you think about everything you just said, how much is rooted into this and at the top of it, it's a pea cloth. Like, yeah, it's just so there's so much that goes into things. But I think that your message will help people understand, like, don't be scared. You'll figure it out. If you have an idea, just go with it because you're going to regret not going with the idea. Yeah, I would totally recommend for people to spend time visualizing what they want to create and make it as real feeling as you can. Like you can find the feeling of where you want to go from exactly where you are right now. And that's what I did with Kula is I would sit there and I would visualize people hiking with Kula's on their backpack and like what that feeling would be like. And I was able to find that feeling without it actually having happened yet. And when you can find the feeling and allow the feeling to be enough, then all of a sudden you're tuned to the frequency of the solution. And that's when these incredible moments of quote unquote chance start flowing into your life and you meet the right people and you become a a cop who had zero clue how to sew or zero (laughs) experience in the textile industry all of a sudden having a company that makes like a very specific textile and then all of a sudden thousands of them are sold I mean it, it is wild and but I think the other thing that excites me is that it's possible for everybody I went from knowing absolutely nothing absolutely you could not have gotten more (laughs) further away from me knowing nothing like I still can't even sew a button so (laughs) I hope that that can be an example for others that you don't need to be an expert or know a lot about a certain thing you can figure it out Yeah, if you have an idea, just find the feeling of the idea, believe it's possible, don't argue for your limitations, and then just see what happens. Like, start making phone calls and Google things. Have you been a speaker at events? Because I think you need to. I have. have, have, Okay, see? (laughs) Yeah, I, I love, there is nothing that excites me more. And Kula is a physical representation of the story of my own sort of awakening to the potential that I always had, like just didn't think I had. And so for me, the larger part of Kula is sharing that with others and giving them a glimpse of that in themselves as well. Because I think that every single person has it and every single person has an idea or something that they can bring to life. And I hope more people do because it's what a great world that would be. Yeah. Well, you're super inspiring to listen to. And I think that one day when I have an event, I'm going to hire you to speak at it. So when we can have events, it'll happen. Well, and I will play my violin at the event. (laughs) People are going to be like, what is going on? There's a violinist talking about pea cloths and what is that? It's going to be the best. I'm very confusing to be <laughs> somebody told me once that I was like a conundrum in an in an oxymoron in a juxtaposition. That's a or, very good description. I'm, I'm and a I'm fan like, of it. I love it. <laughs> when you were launching Kula Cloth, you had already quit your job um, as a railroad officer, but you were teaching backpacking lessons, which you're still doing. So are one of them your side hustle now? Like is one of them your day job? What is it? I would so I would say now Kula cloth is more of my day job and doing the music backpacking write writing I love writing I've been working on a couple poetry books actually because um, why, <laughs> why not because why not I tend to just like 
follow the creative flow. And I'm like, I like to imagine life as a river. And I always ask myself, am I flowing with it? Or am I trying to swim upstream? And I always like to be flowing with it. And I think that everything's connected. And some days writing poetry feels good to me. And so I might not do much with Kula that day, because for whatever reason, the idea that I need for Kula is going to come to me through poetry. And then maybe I move into violin music. I've actually, I would say now my, my side hustle of my side hustle is that I actually play uh, my violin at adventure elopements. So that's badass. Okay. So I personally think that an elopement is something that happens more on this side of the country. I don't think that the city people on the opposite side of the country know what that is. So an adventure elopement, actually, I'll let you explain it. I know it's when people like will elope for their wedding, but it's more planned. It's not like you're just running away. Right. Yeah. And there is this whole culture of adventure elopements here in the Pacific Northwest where people actually hike back into these incredible destinations. Usually it's just the couple. Sometimes maybe they have a couple adventurous family members or friends with them, but it's usually very small. And I am probably one of the only violinists in the world that I know of who's nuts enough to bring a violin in a backpack out into who knows where. And so people actually hire me and I got ordained as an officiant. And so people will actually hire me now to go back into the backcountry, play my <laughs> violin for them and, and do weddings. This and is I so just, cool. I just, I honestly, like I do that just because it's so much fun and I get so much joy out of like bringing music and nature to people. I really believe that we connect more deeply with ourselves in nature oh yeah and so for me it's it's all intertwined and you're still doing backpack lessons on top of i am that. still doing backpacking yeah so i teach with a with a non-profit backpack, backpacking called, lessons i know you're not teaching lessons. people how to use backpacks <laughs> yep i teach um with a non-profit called washington outdoor women and they do a workshop every september so i teach backpacking there and then kula has we've actually held a couple events. So we did an event last year called Kula Palooza <gasps> and I taught backpacking there. And then we're actually going to be doing a virtual backpacking class. Oh, that'll be super so, cool. When is that? Do you have that set up? That people we can- don't have the dates yet, but if you go on the Kula cloth website under events, you can sign up for a virtual class and we're trying to make all the classes either free donation based or really accessible to all people because that's important to us yeah, so. for sure and if it's something you've always wanted to do and you're kind of hesitant about it this is a great virtual is a great way to kind of tiptoe into it and check it out yes that's awesome do you have big goals for Kula? do you have wholesale already is that a plan you want to do is there things like that that you're writing on your board that you want to happen yeah absolutely so a few months ago i like obviously at the very beginning of Kula, I think I wrote Kula in REI, right? Like on my board. And I can't give too many details about that, but let's just say that it's not like, not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. Okay, okay. And so I'm doing, I have a few retailers that sell Kula. The thing that really excites me is just watching other brands use Kulas. So we're doing a lot of custom ones for other gear companies that sell backpacks, actually. And we're doing a lot of Kulas for a cause. And we have these events now. And so it's just sort of growing and growing. And I love to watch that. Oh, yeah. I love finding... Somebody once asked me, how did Kula grow so quickly? And my response to that is always the same. It's that I didn't need Kula to grow quickly. Like I found... You didn't force it. Yeah, I didn't force it. I just let it go and I don't try. I mean, people are going to kick me when I say this, but I don't try really hard. Like, I mean, I... I know what you mean. Yeah, when I say that, I mean that I do work hard. I mean, like, this is a 24-7 live and breathe, right? Like, it's my fabric baby. But I allow things to happen rather than trying to force something to happen. When you try to force something to happen, you're actually 
focused on the lack of that thing as opposed to being like that thing will, is going to happen and I don't need it to feel whole about who I am. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't affect me. And so then what happens is like, because I just naturally feel sort of happy and satisfied and abundant where I am, things move really quickly for me. (laughs) I I love that piece of advice because one of my favorite pieces of advice that I ever got was don't set goals. And it's like, wait, what, what do you mean? Don't set goals. And it's, yeah, obviously have dreams and things that you want to do, but when you have this end goal, anything else cool that comes your way it's not your goal. So you just ignore it. But really, these are amazing opportunities. So I think between the two of us, don't set goals and don't try hard. We would crush talking. Oh, like, my on gosh. Panels. Seriously, <laughs> it would be like dream team. Yeah, because I, I really do think if you are setting, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and just get into how woo I am. But like, I don't even set monetary goals. I don't set anything like that. Because to me, that is playing small. Like, why would I say I only have this limited amount of abundance that I want to achieve? If I do that, I'm cutting off infinite possibilities that can happen. Infinite. And I don't know about anybody else, but like the idea of playing with finite abundance versus infinite abundance, one's one's (laughs) definitely more fun. And, And when I say abundance, it's not just money for me. It's joy and laughter connections and like, yeah. yeah connection and like impacting people's lives and doing things that matter and like just creating something that makes people feel good like this past march uh when covid hit i was not prepared for the response to a reusable toilet paper yeah product. we yeah i needed to ask you about this because uh, this was a very hot commodity i'm sure when toilet paper went off the shelf it It was crazy. And I had made some good purchasing decisions last year that actually had us set up purchasing decisions that were terrifying for me, like spending $20,000 on fabric was terrifying for me. But had I not done that, I would have had zero inventory whatsoever. And so I sort of like, look back on that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like the perfection of, you know, I trusted it at that moment. I was like, you know what, this is going to work out. I don't know how, but I'll come up with the money, whatever. And then March happened and we were getting just unprecedented amount of orders for our small company. And that it was really, really exciting. It was also scary because I realized the bigness of things and the sort of limitedness of my inventory. And so I really had to do a lot of practice around just releasing those fears. And I feel like that's what entrepreneurship is. It's like you have these fears and worries and doubts and you release them and then you come back to who you truly are because that person can't be affected by a pea cloth. (laughs) They can't. Are you the one packing up the orders or does it come from where they're printing them? So I no longer am the one packing up the orders. In the beginning, I was. That became quickly unsustainable when I was on a vacation with my husband in Death Valley. And we were literally driving around in, I had a tiny Honda at the time with a inventory of Kulas in the trunk and a label printer. And we would like go on a hike and then we would frantically drive to cell service so that I could print up labels what? and like mail coolas. Oh, it was, it was sort of, uh, I mean, it was a great problem to have, but yeah. it was also, I was not able to have a, any life whatsoever other than packing boxes and shipping. So we transitioned to using a third party fulfillment center last May. And that has given me the ability to focus on like the larger picture things. Like I didn't get into the, the pea cloth business because I wanted to o- own a distribution center. So no, exactly. <laughs> and, and so many people have been in this podcast talk about in the beginning. Yeah, you have to do it. You have to you have to be in there in the beginning. Yeah, obviously. Who, who are you going to pay to do it in the beginning anyway, but just knowing how it works and, and being the one to literally hand deliver those first products is the coolest thing. But eventually your time is better served somewhere else. Yes. Yeah. And it gets to a point where you realize that you are slowing down the growth of your own company mm-hmm. by trying to do everything. And in, in the beginning, I was writing notes on every single order that went out and the, 
like that became unsustainable for me, which is a great problem to have. Oh, yeah. It was also a little sad for me. And so now when an order comes in, even though I can't necessarily write a personal note to people, I do try to go through the orders and even write emails to people. If they leave a little note in the order, I'll usually write something back to them and just to find a small way to let people know that I appreciate them. Well, I think they I think they know you appreciate them, especially yeah. if anyone who's purchased one listens to this podcast. That's really cool to hear your story. And, and I hope they do, because like you said, you didn't want it to be a gimmicky product. So at, at face value, when someone hears Peacock, they're like, what? But then you hear everything that went into this and your story. It's just, it really is incredible. It almost like, yeah. I don't want to say it doesn't match the product, but like when you think Peacock, you don't think the amazing uh, inspiration that has gone through you and what you've put into this. So I'm yeah. glad you get to tell the story. Oh, well, me too. And it's so funny because when people think of Kula now, I don't think that they think pee. Right. Um, <laughs> like our, we have like a really active Instagram that honestly, quite honestly, has almost nothing to do with Kula cloth. It's more just funny stuff uh, that we enjoy. And I think that most people, when they think of Kula, they think of connection and community and all the organizations that we've been able to help in the process. And the fact that it happens to be a pea cloth is sort of like, ah, yeah, that's what, that's what it does. <laughs> but I hope that everything that goes into it does make people proud to put it on their pack. That was what I envisioned from the beginning is I wanted something that people could clip to their pack and they feel some sense of pride in that. And maybe it's through what the Kula supports, or maybe it's just through knowing a story about an entrepreneur who followed a dream and maybe they're doing the same thing. But I think each of us has that capacity within us to create something that makes a difference. Well, you definitely did. And I'm glad you got to talk about it on the podcast. Anastasia, thank you so much for being here. Everyone needs to go check out coolacloth.com, coolacloth on Instagram to support, follow, see all the things you're doing. I'm sure you're going to do a million more things and to check out all the backpacking stuff you've got going on. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. It was so much fun talking with you. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the Side Hustlers podcast. Support Anastasia. It's coolacloth.com. You can always hit the link below in the description to check her out, support her, follow her journey. If you know any artists or if you are an artist who want to be a part of the Kula Cloth journey and want to get your artwork on a Kula Cloth, you can reach out to Anastasia. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate you. Side Hustlers podcast at gmail.com with your questions, comments, concerns, guest suggestions, whatever it may be. This podcast has been produced by Houston Tilly. And until next week, keep hustling and be a good human. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, 
or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.